welcome back to the You, Me and MotoGP podcast. It's a great week to be back. The Austria and the race was amazing. So how did you find it, Dion? Yeah, I think it was awesome. Austria really just gives me the vibe that it's the type of place that you'd want to be. From the facilities to how everything was coordinated to the views and the surroundings. It just gives you that impression of things work there and they work prop and it seems clean and nice and friendly. I've also heard some rumors that it is a little bit expensive though, but I think if money was no object, that would definitely be the race that I'd want to go to if I had to choose one on the calendar. Yes, no, it was very well out, set out. And I mean, like the air shows were incredible and the crowds with their coordinated flags waving. I mean, you must have been so excited with all the KTM orange in the audience. Like that was also something cool to see. Yeah, it was. Like they mentioned a few times over the weekend, that's the closest thing to a home race for Brad Bender because it's obviously the home of Red Bull and KTM, Steria or Austria. So that that was really cool. So it really it hits home or it's a it's a cool place to be in. And yeah, it was really just I really, really enjoyed this weekend's racing, I have to say. Also something cool from my point that I'd like to have seen was, you know, some Austrian riders, you know, just as Red Bull, you know, Austria is the home of Red Bull. Be to, but be cool to see some local talent in the race as well. Do you know of any Austrian drivers? You actually caught me out claiming to be someone that's a little bit of a MotoGP expert. And I'm joking. I think I'm very far from an expert, but I don't know of any. I think we should, should do some research, but it seems like the Austrian people has adopted Brad Binder as one of their own. So let's just take that as a win for now. Um, speaking about not being sure if there's any Austrian riders or has been ever, every time I find myself just on a topic and I'd like to do further research and get some information, I always like hit dead ends. And it's so strange being in the 21st century with everything being all the information you could ever acquire being available at a click of a button. I just feel like MotoGP in general just has monopoly over all the MotoGP content. Like it's so hard to find any good articles or any, you know, further research if you're not part of this MotoGP subscriber fee that you have to pay that, you know, we've spoken about that is quite expensive if you're a South African. So it just kind of bums me out that it's just so limited and they basically control all the news and media feeds surrounding the sport. And it's not really easy to get your hands on a lot of content to use. Or if you were like a new fan to actually kind of get information. What's your take on it? Yeah, so even as someone who's not a new fan, I've been very frustrated with MotoGP. And you've lined this up very nicely for me. Our Facebook ban and a lot of our fans have asked us, why haven't we been very active on Facebook lately? Our Facebook ban is because... We posted MotoGP content that was trademark or copy, sorry, copyrighted stuff. So um, this is why we're on a Facebook band. First of all, we didn't. Yes, we did post some of the, the content that might have been copyrighted. And we're not saying it's right or wrong. But we did it in a promotional way that promotes our brand as well as these. I don't understand how. And just so you guys know, it's Dorna themselves that reported our content or our videos to Meta. That caused our Facebook ban. So these guys are stopping and preventing us from putting out content that has anything MotoGP to it. So you're right when you say they have the monopoly. It's very difficult because it's a private company, but it's also a sports league. So they own all the rights to all the pictures and the videos and all that stuff. So it's very difficult. It's very frustrating. I think it's a mindset that will need to change from their side. 
to share information to everybody to not try and report people that's promoting their business in a good way. Mr. Beast himself said it. Like there's so many people on TikTok and YouTube reposting Mr. Beast videos and he said it's the best thing because it's just more people seeing him and leading to his page and his brand is increasing. I don't understand why Dorna wouldn't go the extra mile to help small media companies, whatever it is, like ourselves, to reach a wider audience. It doesn't make sense. Yes, well, uh, that's why I feel like companies like Nike and Adidas and that has been so successful because basically us, the end users, are doing free marketing for them. So if you would have think of us sharing their content, yes, I understand trade, mark and all that, you know, they have to make a living off of this and, you know, I never want to take away from anyone making living themselves but i mean it is a sport like you can take any content from any other sports or any snippet from any match or game or and you can share it amongst your friends and crowds of crowds of people come together to watch this and not being able to share your favorite moments is just beyond because that's what we actually did because we're basically just like super fans and we were just sharing our favorite moments of content that they posted publicly so it's publicly out there to be used and shared but i guess not yeah, it's a very selective club, it seems like. I've heard all, old, and uh, maybe I shouldn't be quoting because it was a while back, but excuse me if I'm wrong, but um, you guys know we follow Rob Portman. He does a lot for the industry, I think, and he does a lot for South African media in MotoGP. They're obviously the top dogs, and he, he mentioned, made a comment one day that it's difficult to get on to the media panel when you're at a race. And I'm talking about guys that have a established media company that has the digital magazine that does well in this country. If he makes a comment like that, you understand what I'm saying? What do the small dogs like us? We don't have a chance. So it's very frustrating, but I don't think we should nitpick on that too much. Just so you guys know, we've got 10 days officially. If we post this, it's 10 days of our ban left. And then we'll be able to share media and content stuff again and make sure we don't share any of MotoGP's copyrighted videos and stuff like that but yeah just a little bit of background so you guys know what's going on it's very frustrating and we hope to when i have a shifted mindset to help us help them promote this brand and the sport that we all love okay guys getting on to the racing a little bit enough moping i guess how much bad luck does miguel Oliveira have? honestly this guy got wiped out in the first race injured for how long I think he got injured again by being wiped out. Mizal Martin sat in the sprint, just rammed into him again. Like, they said it on the broadcast, I said, if it wasn't for bad luck, Miguel Oliveira would have no luck. Sam, I actually feel for the guy, because I do think he's a decent rider, but it's the perk. Yeah, it's unfortunate we couldn't really see much from him, or, you know, much performance from him this season, with just having bad luck. It really is just very sad. But also, that... Bad luck for him, but the person who caused it, Jorge Martin, got a long lap penalty, which, again, we're getting onto the stewards, is ridiculous in my case. He was overly ambitious in that first corner in the sprint. He took out three, two, three, four, maybe four riders, whatever, and cost Bezeki, who's a title contender, a bunch of points, and he got a long lap penalty. Mark Marquez, I think it was, got a three-place grid penalty for something much less severe. It really seems like the inconsistencies... Well, the stewards haven't stopped. Do you, do you agree or do you think the long lap penalty for Martin was enough? And please don't be biased. We know he's your boyfriend. You know, we know you think he's the greatest. But 
Do you think a long net penalty was sufficient for what he what he did? Well, if you put it to the point to the fact of if you take into account what happened to previous riders compared to this, you know, like I do see the inconsistency. I do feel bad though, because in the interviews afterwards, you know, I don't think he well he came across like he wasn't really sure what happened there. That only afterward, after afterwards, he noticed that oh no, he caused the whole thing. So. I do, I can see that instances like that do happen because everything's moving at such a fast pace. You're not always aware of your movement. But, you know, as you said, what goes for one rider should ultimately go for all the riders. And we've been saying this over and over and over again. And the fact that just is disappointing is that we don't get to really hear the discussion, you know, the debates with the stewards and like what and see what footage they're reviewing and, you know, what angles they're getting as in like any other sports. Like we watch a lot of rugby with rugby, they'll pull in. You can see whatever the screen that the, that the referee's reviewing to make his decision and you can, and he has a board. So we're not really informed what's going on. Like after the fact, what's the, it's like kind of, that's the decision and it's final and then you have to appeal it way after but then the moment's already gone and the point's already lost so it's just that's kind of frustrating and that yeah no, i have to agree with you it is frustrating it seems like i've heard murmurs and stuff that there's some app some website called sportify now where the stewards actually put up explanations afterwards that you can go and read i haven't checked it out but maybe it's worth it checking it out seeing if we can get better explanations just to understand their thinking, because we're not saying they're always wrong or always right or whatever. We just, I think if you can hear an explanation and understand what mindset they adapt when making decisions, it'll be make much easier to understand where they're coming from. But looking at it from our point of view, we don't maybe always see all the angles or don't have the same thought process, or maybe we're not knowledgeable enough in the sport to, to see things that, that they do. So that's bad luck for Oliveira and... Martin, Missile Martin flying into the first corner, really got the sprint race up to a hectic start. I have to say, further than that, I think it was the, if you look at the top three in the sprint and in the race, it was one of the least eventful podium battles where in the sprint and in the race, Benyaya pulled away and won it by far. Binder also uh, put a gap between him and third place. So there was a gap between first and second. And a gap between second and third. Position for one, two, three was was very, I don't want to call it boring, but it was very old school MotoGP and it was consistent. So we've seen more exciting through the year. Something that was pretty cool though, that I've been calling for for a long time, that I did notice, especially in the main race, Nayan, I don't know if you noticed it, the fact that they were showing mid-pack races, overtakes and that type of stuff more often. Especially in the main race, they didn't focus on, on Pekka and Brad that much. And they showed some overtakes in for 11th and 12th. They showed some Zarko. They, they showed Martin. They showed Quateraro. So just showing the pack, they didn't go right through to 15, 16. But just showing some battles that we sometimes seem to miss a little bit further back. It was really cool to see, don't you think? Yes, it really was. I mean, we they ca- caught that cool shot of Frankie having his moment that we were actually like, yo, you know, like that was actually a bit of action because the front, I mean, you know, Bangaya was such a lead after the mapping notice that we saw, you know, notice like, please slow down your front tire. 
and all that. So then we just saw Brad slacking and then there was a bit of commotion with Alex and Benzeki, but further than that, they were kind of gaps. So there wasn't a lot of overtaking motion and all that. So it's not very exciting in that manner. But that's what's going to lead me to my hot take. But I want to explain it in like the point of view. If I take now for South Africans following MotoGP and watching Brad progress and his whole battle to get on the podium, just it's just the Ducati dominance is kind of just getting very predictable for me. And I, what I'm fearful for is that the Ducati team is so dynamic and they have figured it out in the bike and the rider and the combination that all works and they're doing really great. And I don't want to take away from people's hard work, but I mean, just knowing who's going to win every race. Like, I'm just fearful that that's going to sway away some viewers. Just watching the same thing over and over again is kind of... We want some action. My God, am I happy that you did not watch MotoGP in the Rossi era because that was our lives for six years. Rossi qualifies in front and just pulls away. But anyway, that's a story for another day. Yeah, I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate. I think as South Africans, we should do what... Miley Cyrus says in her favorite song, The Climb, we should not just worry about getting to the peak. Enjoy the climb. Enjoy the fact that there's still a rabbit to chase. Pignaya is the benchmark, and Brad has something to work towards. If Brad was world champion and he was the benchmark, then it would start getting boring. But for South Africans, I think this is the best time because you could see him inching closer every week. You've watched MotoGP with me full on now for two years. KTM, when you started watching versus now, how big of a progress have they been? So it's been nice seeing Binder chase the rabbit and getting ever closer and getting ever closer. I do get that. And like, I, it's been amazing progress that this team has made. I mean, every interview with Brad and Willow, they always make it a point to note, like, this is our team. It's a team effort. We've got a great team. Because I can really see like they're developing and everything. And it's great. But sometimes you want to see the nerd beat up the bully. Like sometimes you want to see the little guy win. Just like little times that gives us that hope. That makes us think that we can go out and achieve the unachievable. Okay. So sometimes you just just give it to us once, Pico. Just like give it. Take down that bully once. I think you are ungrateful. I want to remind you of about five rounds ago. America, Kota. Alex Rins won a race this year on a Honda. How much more of a beat the bully story do you want? Speaking about Honda, so at the time of recording this podcast, this has been confirmed that Jaren Zarko is going to LCR Honda, not Repsol Honda, LCR Honda, the satellite. And apparently he's going for double the amount of money that he's getting at Gat. What I have always said, and I'll say this again, I think money has a massive impact, but I think... They are swaying him like you try and sway a new girl that you're interested in. Everybody likes a little bit of attention. He likes the fact that Honda thinks that he's worth that type of money. So I think more than the money, the ego boost that Zarko is getting from getting offers like that from people on the grip. Grid is amazing. And in my opinion, it's a good movie. What do you think? I know I've said this before and you were cringy, but he's going to need double the hip replacement. So I hope he gets double pay because it's going to be danger pay. And I'll just leave it at that. So you think that the, the, the extra amount he's getting is going to be danger pay? It is a good thing for Honda and for Zarko because uh, Ducati is at the stage where they want young, fresh blood. 
Zarko has been with, I think, five manufacturers or not full-time, but he's been on five manufacturers' bikes. I think he can maybe help Honda get out of the hole. But the best news here is, is the fact that Honda's spending this type of money on Zarko and that they came out on the weekend say, despite all the rumors, they are not pulling out of MotoGP. And I know I'm the first one on this podcast to give Honda a heap of shit. And I do it week in, week out. But it warms my heart like a little child that Honda will stay in this championship because we don't want it to become a European championship. It should stay a world championship. And if the Japanese manufacturer decides to withdraw and it's only catered to get in Aprilia, it's no longer a world championship. It's a European championship. It will be stupid if you call it a world championship. It will be like the Americans winning a football game and saying we are world champions, but no one else in the fucking world plays football. That would That's what it would be like. So... It's great to know that Honda is staying in MotoGP. It's good for the future, and I hope to hell that they sort out their bike. Yeah, it's good to see, like you said, there's enough European money in this. Like, we need some, we need it to be worldwide, and we'd love to see as many countries as possible get involved. Oh, shit, that's something I forgot about. Brad signed an additional two-year contract. Like, it blows my mind that KTM has so much trust in this young individual called Mr. Binder, that they will sign him the first time that he's going to be out of a MotoGP contract will be beginning 2027. That means we're going to still be here on this podcast week in, week out until end 2026. Doesn't that make you so fucking excited? But I think there's something, like you said, Darko being with different te- like five other teams and he's going to bring experience. But there's something for me about just loyalty and just sticking with the same team and seeing it from develop from the ground up till success. I mean, like, that's an achievement of its own. And that's really admirable. Yeah, no, definitely. That is very admirable. It, like, it feels like we're almost not talking about racing. So getting back, so like we said, Paco Bignaia first, Brad Binder second, and Marcel Martin Jorge in third. Something else but that was also nice to see in the sprint race, or wasn't nice to see him that way, but nice to see is the legend himself, the doctor, hanging around the circuit there, watching his team. It's different seeing him at the side of the track and not actually on it, but it's still always nice to see the legend himself. Do you think that's why Benzeki and Luca really performed? Because the boss was there putting on side pressure while watching very, very invested and very stressed and happy and every experiencing all the emotions all at once. In all honesty, no. I think Luca Marini and Marco Bezzecki performs because they're on a Ducati. That's the truth. Put them on Yamahas. They're going to enjoy riding around with Ica Luca in 22nd place. But that's just my biased opinion. I want to also talk about a topic that you can no longer deny. And we've mentioned this about three podcasts ago. I'm going to mention it again. And you could get mad at me. But this is the fact. I'm going to pull up his finishes for the year and then I want you to try and sit here and argue with me that Jack Miller's not a mid-back rider please. So moving on to a different topic altogether because you sound on repeat now and I would love you to meet Mr. Jack in person and say this to his face. No I'm joking. No it's just technical difficulties in the front wheel getting hot and there was a front end error and it was raining this weekend. Duh. Yeah, so you've all used all the shitty excuses in the book now instead of looking at the facts. So guys, we're going to say it again. We love you, Jack Miller. The sport needs you, Jack Miller. But you are our favorite mid-pack specialist. And that's the facts of it. 
that's leading into an idea that I've had. You know, like you get swinger parties where everyone puts their keys in the bowls and whosever keys you have, you go home with. But I'd love to do like a MotoGP race. This could even be on a Friday. So what I'm suggesting is then as they put their keys, then everyone scrotles around and then whatever keys you grab is the bike that you're going to race on for the day. And then we just open up the playing field and like see where the skill level lies. Is it the bike, as we're all saying, or is it just the rider? Dorna, MotoGP, we're giving you great ideas here for charity events. End of the year, do like a swingers party, like Shanae said. Let's make it fun. It doesn't have to be the full-spec MotoGP bike, maybe, that's going to give away secrets. Just to see on different levels, like throw a bunch of keys in a bowl. Let's see how good Pekka Benyaya is on a Yamaha. Ooh, I'd love to see him on a Honda. Like, can we just get that? Well, they'll, they can just write a declaration of just can insure him or something, just in case. Uh, Nike, we're talking so much shit this week. Um, getting on to the main race there on Sunday, in certain ways, very predictable and boring. In Pekka Benyaya. So, I don't know what happened. How the hell does Ducati all of a sudden, four weeks, all of a sudden, they also have a rocket off the line. I saw they have some new starting device there that flips the clutch or does something very technical. You guys know we're not a fucking technical podcast. We're just here to chit chat. But that that Ducati rockets off the line all of a sudden. When I saw Brad Binder qualifying third, I was like, uh huh, easy race. He's just going to pull you into first place in the corner. And surprise, surprise, to get the Bologna bullets, these guys just go and create something super fucking cool that just works extremely well yeah leave it to ducati to just figure out you know whatever the com- whatever their competition has that just have a big brainstorm session within a week they probably just launch this new thing and it just works on the without any testing probably because that's just i feel where their level's at yeah they just seem to be getting it right week in week out so well done to them big up pulling away and there was a brief moment where, where Brad lunched it up the inside and I really thought, oh, if he passes him, it's going to be a race. Unfortunately, Brad couldn't pass him because it seems like even though KTM has made a lot of progress, they haven't been able to find the corner exit traction. Look at me being all technical. The corner exit traction to actually get the drive out of the corner and that's where Ducati is beating them. Brad said they made massive strides on corner entry on the brakes, so you could brake much later, but it seems like the corner exit traction is still a little bit of an issue, but knowing KTM, Mark Marcus said it before the weekend, a year or two years from now, KTM will be top of the pile, and we calling it Brad Binder will be KTM's first world team. Exciting things coming soon. That's where I'll leave it. I won't add on to anything further that you just said. Let me ask you worth mentioning, or not even worth mentioning, that we should have actually mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. Darren Binder, I hope to God he's okay. Shame, I feel for him. The last we heard, he's got a bo- broken vertebra, and I can't think that's fun. He obviously lost the front end, and poor old Sam Lowe's couldn't do anything, and like kind of hit him, bumped him. It seemed very bad, but yeah, Darren, we hope you're okay, but... We hope everything's good and we hope to see you fit and, and back on track as soon as possible. But not even that, just back smiling. But racing is one thing, but I think it's important as humans that we just hope that you're okay physically and mentally. Yes, that was very hard to watch. 
watching that snippet of what actually happened and that's like the scary part of the sport that we sometimes forget because these pros really make it look easy peasy but yeah it was very stressful and we really hope that he recovers as soon as possible and that it's not a long-term issue guys thank you for being our therapist this week because we actually just sat down and moaned complained about everything but we hope you guys still enjoy our complaining nike who's your pick of the week this week um okay so i've chosen mr luca marini saying that he was a good contender this weekend and he stood out and he got bumped out on the sprints but he made a good return sunday so the first thing that I found that was quite interesting is um, he was once asked if he wasn't going to be a MotoGP rider, what would he want to be? And his answer was actually to be an astrophysicist. So I'm thinking like the Big Bang Theory series must be one of his um, watch list items. You were looking for your nerd versus bully story. We have found the nerd. Yes. Yeah, so now the nerd takes on the DJ. Being the person that bullied the nerds, my money's on Becca on this. And then the next is he has, obviously we have to cover the fur babies. So he has two dogs named Chanel and Wendy. I would not think Chanel would be a name chosen by a man. But, you know, him being Italian, I can kind of see the love for the Chanel brand. You know what would be weird if they did what you did with your cat and named male dogs Chanel and Wendy so for those of you who don't know us we've got a male cat named Baby so let's not get too much into that but yeah Chanel and Wendy cool names if they are female dogs Baby is my baby then um what I also found is I like people that can travel the world and actually speak the languages of the countries they're in so he can actually speak Italian English Spanish French and Polish I think Polish must be tricky to learn Oh, how very European of him. If he could speak Zulu, I would be impressed. Sorry, it's all European countries, not impressed. Why would he have the need to speak Zulu? If he could pick any rider from the past to be a teammate, he said he wouldn't go with his brother, but instead he would team up with Danny Pedrosa. That's quite an interesting take, but I'm guessing if you grow up with Valentino Rossi, you can ride bike with him 90% of the time, so... You don't have to choose him because it's really your reality. Danny Pedrosa, yeah, I would not have guessed that. Really interesting. So, also another fun fact. So, you know, Zarka's our MotoGP Taylor Swift, right? So, now we can add a new member into this MotoGP band that they can create. Because he, in his spare time, plays the flute. Imagine a good Brad Bender song with some flute tunes in the back. Like, that will really intimidate him. Holy shit, he really is the nerd, isn't he? This guy must have gotten bullied so much. Okay, no one would have bullied him, his brothers, Valentino Rossi, but yeah, if it wasn't for that, I think he would have gotten wedgies daily. Plays the flute, wanted to be as I'm actually not a nice person, I just realized. Luca, you cool, bud. We like you. Then the last thing that I read that was kind of cool is that he promised that one day if he's a MotoGP world champion, he'll get his first tattoo and have it on his neck of all places. That sounds comfortable. I think his neck is safe. Don't worry. I've seen him ride a bike. Oh, okay, okay, last one. I said that was the last one. But same dude. Like, his favorite cheat meal is a good crepe with Nutella. So for your Afrikaner mind, a crepe is a panakuk, if you don't know what a crepe was. It's a pancake. 
Yeah, the Afrikaans boy loves me. Loves a good old panic, okay? Yeah, Nike, that's it for the week again. Quickly over, done and dusted. Thank you for sharing some needless information with us. And guys, if you, this is your first time tuning in and you expected some good technical information, we really apologize. This is not where you're going to find it. We try and keep it light-hearted, except for the first 15 minutes. <laughs> we absolutely just fucking mode. But except for that, we try to keep it light-hearted. Remember to give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Threads, X. There's so many apps like YouTube. We're on all of them. YouTube kids. We're not on YouTube kids. You hear our language. Just give us a follow anyway. Just look for us. Our social media name is Shot Brew, proudly South African. And catch you guys on the flip side. Shot Brew. See you guys next time. Bye.